Welcome to Starting Points, a Faith on Hill podcast. Starting Points goes through the entire Bible, from Genesis through Revelation, including all of the major sections of the Bible. It's designed to be a starting point for anybody who is reading, studying, trying to understand, wrestling with, engaging with the Bible, which we believe to be the very Word of God. We are currently in the section of the Bible known as the Minor Prophets, and we are looking at the story of Jonah. Now, Jonah is a fairly well-known story. Surprisingly, though, as we found out a couple summers ago, it is one of the 10 least read books in the entire Bible. That shocked me. The fact that when we set out to do the 10 least read books in the entire Bible that I, I got to or had to, depending on how you want to look at it, teach and preach the book of Jonah. It was a shocking discovery to me. Uh, as I said at the time, and I'll say again, I think what was going on there was partially uh, sort of a, oh, I know that already. Jonah being such a well-known story, people just kind of go, oh, I know that already. I've, I've heard that story before. Also, because people sort of pass it off as sort of this myth in the Bible, even though I don't believe it's a myth, uh, that they just say, well, I'm, I'm good. And within the book of Jonah, there's nothing particularly controversial, other than like whether you believe the story or not. Outside of that, it's a fairly straightforward story, and it's not one that on first modern reading creates a bunch of landmines. Now, there are landmines in it once you dig a little deeper, uh, but it's, it's one of those stories I think people are willing to just write off as a children's story, and I'm going to move on from. Now, Jonah is really uh, not one story, and it's not really even about the fish. Jonah is first about a guy who God called to be a prophet, to speak on his behalf, and Jonah ran the other way. So the first part of the book of Jonah is about Jonah fleeing God. He's, he's going as literally as far away from the promised land as he can get. Then, of course, he's thrown off the boat and he's swallowed by the fish. The Bible never says it's a whale. One of my favorite videos that comes up in my Facebook memories every year is um, one of my kids, my oldest son, when he was just a little guy, like two years old, and he has a little kid's picture Bible and he comes in and, and I don't know why I was filming him, but but I was filming him and he comes in asking my wife about those. And he's like, look, mama, look, Jonah's, Jonah's swallowed by a whale. And my wife goes, oh, I think it's just a big fish. No, it's a whale. It's only a whale. And then he walks away and it's adorable. Um, and I love it. But it, it never says a whale. It says a giant fish. Now, I remember couple summers ago when we went through the book of Jonah, the, the literally the week before, <laughs> the week before um, that we, we started the book of Jonah, a, uh, a fisherman off the coast of Maine was swallowed by a giant fish. And I said, no way. That, that is so fortuitous in its timing. Like I'm so, I mean, feel bad for the guy. He lived by the way, but I feel bad that he experienced that. But my goodness, a guy was swallowed by a fish off the coast of Maine. This is real. Woo! If you're a preacher, this is good news. I'll say this about the fish. I believe that God created the entire universe. And that when his creation here on earth rebelled against him, that God initiated a plan of rescue. And he himself became a man, Jesus Christ, and lived among us and lived a perfect life and died on a sinner's cross, died the penalty of a, of a sinner, of a murderer, of a thief, of a criminal. 
And when he died, God the Father placed the sins of the entire world on his shoulders and said, your death is sufficient for the justice that it deserves. And he rose from the dead three days later, seen by over 500 eyewitnesses, people who had seen Jesus be publicly executed, interacted with somebody that they believed firmly to be the risen Christ. The idea that God used a large fish to swallow somebody and then spit him out on the land where he wanted him to go is not even in the top 10 craziest things that I believe. And, and I'm using the word crazy loosely, but you understand that people have this tendency when it comes to things in the Bible like Jonah and the whale, or did God create the world in a literal six days, or was there really an ark, or, or, or so on and so on and so on. And there are these stories and you go, really, that you think is my big, my big issue? That you think is the thing I have to have like massive amounts of faith in? I, I believe that my sins were not just forgotten about, but totally forgiven and, and removed. I, I believe that Jesus lived, died, rose again, and will return. I believe that there is a God who has created all things, but even though he has created all things, he knows you and me individually more than we know ourselves. And you think that the fish is the big issue? So after Jonah's swallowed by the fish, the fish spits him up onto land. During this time, Jonah repents, and Jonah goes to Nineveh. He does what God calls him to do. And then the last chapter, Jonah sits outside the city waiting for God to do something. And it's hot, and it's uncomfortable, and God in his mercy miraculously causes this plant to grow and shade Jonah. And then God causes the plant to wither and die. And Jonah grumbles and kind of curses God for it. And, and God says, look, you didn't do anything for this plant to be here. I made it happen. But you care more about this plant than you do about the thousands of souls, precious people that live in the city of Nineveh. And you don't care whether they live or die. You don't care whether they repent or not. You care about this plant that you had nothing to do with. But these, these souls, these precious lives, you don't care about. Now, one of the questions that we ask on this podcast is, what's the human story? The story of Jonah is about somebody who struggled with racism. Jonah hated the people of Nineveh. And it's one thing to say like, oh, you know, that guy over there, I just can't stand. It's another thing to say, anybody who's from that place, I don't know them or not. You just, you're from that place. I hate you. That's racism. That's bigotry. It doesn't matter who they are. Oh, they're Italian. They must be a, those dirty garlic eaters. And that's the kind of thing you used to hear. That, that in the systemic racism of America, and yes, there was and is systemic racism, systems of racism. Up until the, the mid-1950s, the United States State Department had an official guidance and guidelines for how white a person was in terms of immigration. And if you were from like Scandinavia, England, Germany, Belgium, you were very white. But if you were from like Greece or Italy, you were still considered white, but you were like the least white person. And there were all these stereotypes about people from Italy, just as in times before that there had been stereotypes about people from Ireland or people from Poland. And, 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 and we have these, these things about, oh, you're just from that person, therefore, from that place, from, from wherever, therefore you are this and I don't like you or I think this about you. That was how Jonah was towards Nineveh. He had bigotry and racism towards this people. And when God put a calling on his life to go and preach God's word to them, he fled. He fled God's call on his life 
because of his sinful hatred. He hated God's mercy, but he wanted that mercy shown for himself. How many people are like that? I want God to totally blow that person away, but I want God to forgive me of things far worse. I want God to make justice happen in that situation, but in my situation, I would like forgiveness. Yes, please. The human story and everything that Jonah goes through and processes is incredibly real and relevant to our day. Now, there are landmines, and that's the other, one of the other questions we ask on this podcast. What are the landmines? What are the controversial issues? Step on it, and it's going to explode. Well, okay, the fish. Probably not a whale. It never says it's a whale. It just says a great fish. There's also the plant. God miraculously causes a plant to grow, shade Jonah, and then wither and die the next day. These are both supernatural events. We unapologetically believe in the supernatural here at Faith on Hill. We believe that God, there is a God, and he is above, super, beyond the natural realm and experience. And therefore, anything he does, any display of his power will inherently be miraculous or of the supernatural. We believe God heals people. We believe God changes lives. So God creating a plant to grow and then wither so what? He created the world in, well, whether he created the world in six days or he created the world in the Big Bang, either way, something happened that is beyond our comprehension. So the plant and the fish are not our big deal. Now, there was questions up until somewhat recently in history about the reality of Nineveh. Nineveh, we were told, was a mythological city. It's part of a mythological story. The story of somebody who flees God, and then there's this thing with the fish and the plant, and it's not even a real city. Nineveh was this kind of made up, like a Shangri-La. It was, uh, you know, or the lost city of gold. It was, a, it was sort of a, a mythological city of power, but really it's a, a, a myth that's designed to tell a story, and we can still learn valuable lessons and morals and truths from it, but it's not real. Then what happened was colonialism. And colonialism's not good. It was bad. But, you know, good things can come from bad situations. And one of the uh, military officers assigned in the occupation of the Levant, uh, which includes what we now think of as Iraq, and they were assigned to the city of Mosul. And we, of course, know about Mosul now because it was a big part of uh, the Second Iraq War, and it was for where uh, like Saddam Hussein's like power base was from and everything. Well, he was there, and he looked across the river, and he saw these mounds, and he, was, he had free time. And, and a lot of times in these colonial things, you know, the officers and officials had side hustles uh, to increase their, their uh, income. And so he got like some, hey, I'll, I'll excavate this, and then, you know, a museum somewhere will pay me for whatever I find. So he goes and starts excavating. He excavated what's now Nineveh, and you can go to the ruins of the city of Nineveh. All throughout scripture, there are places where Bible critics, critics of the Christian faith, people who say they're Christians, but say, well, we're more scholarly. We'll say this part of the Bible is untrue. This part of the Bible is fake. There was no such historical person. And then time and time and time again, we find evidence that the Bible is historically true and accurate. Nineveh, for a long, long time, people said it was just a mythological city. It wasn't actually real. It's like Atlantis of, of you know, the Middle East, and then they find it. King David's not a real person. Then they find evidence in archaeology of David. Uh, I, I was talking to one of our pastors in one of our sister churches recently, and he had gone on a trip to Europe, and he went to this place in Greece that people said, that's not real. Uh, that thing in the book of Acts didn't really happen. That's made up. And then they find the, the city or the person, I don't remember what it is, but there was an inscription in, in stone that they found talking about what the Bible had described. 
And he said, you know, it's like what Jesus says, that if, if the people don't praise me, the very stones will cry out and declare my praise. And I think there's some truth to that, that time and time and time again, people say the Bible can't be trusted. The Bible isn't true. And then time and time again, the very stones cry out the truth of the Bible and the truth of the gospel and the truth of God and the truth of Jesus. Nineveh was a real place and there were real people there. And that's the last question we ask. Where is Jesus seen, especially in these Old Testament books? Sometimes you're like, well, if the whole point of the Bible is Jesus, which I believe is true, then where's Jesus seen? Well, in the Gospels, it says this. One day, the Pharisees and the Sadducees came to test Jesus and demanding that he show them a miraculous sign from heaven to prove his authority. And he replied, you know, the saying that says a red sky at night means fair weather tomorrow and red sky in the morning means foul weather all day. How do you know how to interpret the weather and the signs in the sky? But you don't know how to interpret the signs of the times. Only an evil and adulterous generation would demand a miraculous sign. But the only sign I will give them is the sign of the prophet Jonah. And then Jesus left and went away. What's going on there? The Pharisees and the Sadducees say, fine, if you're really the Messiah, give us a miraculous sign to prove it. And Jesus says, look, you can, you can look at the weather and see what's happening. Hey, you know, there's a certain feeling like all of a sudden it gets cold in a specific way and you go, oh, it's going to rain or maybe even snow. There's a certain way the clouds sit and sometimes it'll be like cold and wintry and my kids are like, is it going to snow? And I was like, I don't think so. I don't think the clouds look like it right now. You can, if you've been around a certain place your whole life, you kind of learn, ooh, this could get, this could get, uh, this could get intense here. And Jesus is saying, you can do that. You know the times and the seasons, but you can't read the signs of the times that the Messiah is here, that, that the sick are being healed, that people are turning back to faith. John the Baptist came and preached repentance and people were repenting and you didn't see it. In fact, you opposed him. You're not getting us that you've already gotten the signs. The reason you're asking for this is out of the evil of your heart. So I'll give you the sign of Jonah. What does that mean? And Jesus said, just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, in the darkness. So shall the Son of Man, which is a messianic title that Jesus took, be three days and three nights in the ground. And Jesus was crucified, and on the third day he rose from the dead. Jesus affirmed Jonah. Jesus called him a prophet. And Jesus said in the same way that Jonah was in darkness and then brought back, so will I be in the grave, but bring, come back in power. There was mercy for Nineveh. Nineveh was a city uh, that, history, that, that the, all the historical accounts say was a pretty wicked place. And yet for a time here, they repented and they received the mercy of God. There is mercy for Nineveh. There is mercy for us. God worked on changing Jonah's heart. He can do that same work in us. And you know what? You might say, oh, but I still got all these issues. You know what? Jonah repented and went to Nineveh. But as you see in chapter four, where he's grumbling against God because he saved Nineveh or because the plant went away, Jonah still had work that God needed to do in his life. And you might say, oh man, I still have all these things. I haven't figured it out yet. That's okay. Jonah shows us, and you see Jesus in this whole thing, that people still need God's work. You may have been a Christian a long time, and there's something that God wants to show, that God wants to root out. You know, we started off by talking about Jonah's racism. I know people that have been Christians a long time that love Jesus and generally speaking, love other people. But the last couple of years have kind of revealed, hey, maybe I had bigotries and biases I wasn't aware of and I have to come to terms with. 
Maybe it's not racism, maybe it's misogyny or sexism and the whole Me Too movement. And I know a lot of pastors who had to like really think through things. I know of pastors who have reached out to people and said, I'm sorry for the culture I created, for the things that I said. They weren't bad or ill-intentioned, but they said, you know what? I was creating a culture that, that was against what God's heart was. Jonah speaks to us about the change and the work that Jesus does in people's lives. The fish and the plant, the miraculous, they're all secondary to the life change that happens. I want to thank you for joining us for another episode of Starting Points. You can subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You just have to search Faith on Hill. And then please hit the like button, the subscribe, the notifications, all the stuff that they ask you to do on social media. Uh, We gather together every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m., both online and in person. And then we meet in small groups throughout the week. My name's Adam, and uh, thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time for another episode of Starting Points.